mostly through the practice of prayer. Uh, as this idea series birthed in me a few months ago, we had actually brainstormed some different things we thought we'd talk about, and, and this one bubbled to the surface. And the first name of a person that I thought to invite was our guest speaker today. Right off the bat, I thought, I need to have Rob Bentall come and speak this, this in the series. And uh, he gets to launch us this morning by, by sharing some story. Um, Rob and Kathy are here by their... Um, by their example and model, they have modeled a life of faith and of dependency of, on God and a life of prayer. Um, Rob and Kathy are founders of Barnabas Family Ministries. Uh, it started in 1986 on Keats Island. It was pioneer work, like it really was. Uh, Angel and I were first exposed to Barnabas about 20 years ago in 2003. Our son had had an accident the year, follow, the year prior, and uh, we were actually experiencing some PTSD from that experience of our son's accident. And we went to Barnabas and, uh, for a pastor and spouse retreat. And over the course of that weekend, we experienced this incredible hospitality of Barnabas. That's just one of their chief values, making room for people. But uh, we experienced the healing of Jesus, and, and God did a profound healing work in us over our time over on Keats Island. It's just across from Gibson's in one of the most beautiful locations on the planet. <laughs> uh, it's grown. It's a ministry that's grown over the years. Their chief, probably what they're maybe most identified with, is their summer family camps. And uh, many of you know Ben and Sophie uh, Casey. Ben's one of our elders. Their family just arrived there yesterday for their week of summer camp. And they, they do nine identical family camps over the summer, summer with programs for kids and when we heard about it, there was one thing that attracted us. They told us that they put our kids to bed for us. And that was all we needed to hear. And uh, we brought our kids there. And um, Barnabas became a place where our kids grew, uh, served at summer camp. They served uh, what they call the rowing club. They went and volunteered there each summer and did dishes and cared for young babies. And uh, then our boys, the last, I think, six years, have been involved in directing the summer programs at, at uh, Barnabas. And this year, Caleb, our son, is uh, the summer program director. He's there now working his tail off. Um, but Rob and Kathy have been mentors to Angel and I and, has, and have encouraged us in more ways than we can, uh, can tell. Now, Rob typically would do something at each week of family camp. And any other retreat I've been to, Rob would actually get up and share his story and take a few minutes and share the story of Barnabas. And it has inspired prayer and faith in so many people. And had such a, just his story has impacted so many. And Rob hasn't told it in many places outside of Barnabas. And so I think he's feeling a little bit nervous today about this. Look at him, like, right? Like, so put on your friendly faces, people, okay? I want you to, but before we have Rob, Rob's going to come up and share a story. Before we do that, we're going to share, show a little video clip of what Barnabas is like, and then I'll respond and, and have just a bit of interaction with Rob and uh, invite him to respond to some questions. So uh, with that, let's watch the Barnabas clip.
Let's give it up for Rob Bentall, everybody. Well, it's an honor to be here uh, this morning. I uh, walked in today and had a deja vu experience. I had spoken here when this was called Austin Avenue Chapel, and I was involved in a ministry called Young Life, and I did teacher training here or counselor training. And I just admire you for the faithfulness over decades here and the ministry that's going on here. Well done. It's wonderful. I came to know Jesus when I was eight years old in a service not unlike this. And at the end of the service, remind me. That's okay. Yeah. Crank him up, Sean. Okay. <laughs> I can speak louder, too, if that's yeah, the... Yeah, okay. Good. Uh, so, yeah, I was at a morning service at 8, and I felt compelled when there was, a, uh, at the end, an altar call to come forward and to give my life for Jesus, to Jesus. And as the years went on, I had been groomed by my family to go into the family business, and uh, it was commercial construction. I loved that, and the, God wired me, I guess, in construction to a degree. Uh, and then halfway through my university career, I got my arm twisted to serve at a Christian camp for the summer. I didn't think I liked camping, wasn't interested, but uh, um, God had other things in mind. Finally, I agreed to do it, and if I'm honest, the reason why I agreed to do it was I was told I'd get a lot of water skiing in. Uh, but it wasn't more than two weeks into the summer that I just saw God's hand at work changing kids and uh, moving in miraculous ways. And uh, I just started to have some gifts that I didn't know I had and be used in that. And uh, it was a great experience that summer. The next winter I went back to university and the summer director was a youth pastor in Vancouver. And he took me under his wings and mentored me uh, not a term that I used back then, but that's what would that's certainly what went on. He just poured himself in every Wednesday afternoon to me, and it was an incredible time. I went back the next summer and helped him again, and then uh, he announced that he felt led to move away and go back to university. And uh, so he put me in charge uh, at the end of the summer for two weeks, and it was a a great experience. I was 21, so it was ridiculous. I wouldn't do that to someone today, but uh, that's what happened. And But it was just phenomenal. The board came to me in September and offered me the job for the next summer to be the director for the whole summer. I didn't have to hesitate. I agreed. That next winter, as I was planning and praying about the summer, God started to stir in me that this long-time expectation that I'd be in business, there was something missing there for me. And in February of that year, I started to pray uh, very specifically about that. And the way I like to phrase it, it was an audacious prayer. Uh, it was very bold. It was crazy. What I asked God for was, Lord, if you're calling me into this, if this is something that you want, then give me a vision for my whole life. Uh, crazy prayer, but as a 22-year-old, we do crazy things. 
at times. And I prayed that, and I prayed it, and I prayed it, and I got other people to join me in that journey. And for eight months, I prayed that. Nothing happened, nothing happened, but I kept persevering in prayer. I was back on Keats Island in October of that year, and I had this sense on the second night during the service that God spoke to me and answered that prayer. And it was very specific. What he had for me was family and adult ministry and to take place on Keats Island, on the property that is now Barnabas. After the service, I shared with two friends that uh, were helping out on the weekend what had happened. And their response was, well, you need to go down to the property and pray. So the next day, we hiked down, excused ourselves from the ministry for a couple hours, and sat in an upper field overlooking this. Uh, it was a hobby farm. It was all cleared. The owner wasn't there that day, and we just sat there and prayed. And the three of us are still good friends today, and we remember what we asked God for. It was three things. Lord, if this vision is of you, preserve it, protect it, and bring it about in your perfect timing. I didn't realize how profound that prayer was that day. But uh, that's what, what happened. So I went through that next winter and uh, back on the summer. And uh, by this time, it was clear that God was calling me into something. So as the counsel of those around, well, you need to go to seminary and get further training to be equipped to be able to do this. So found a place and started to head off. But before I went down, I went down and met the owner. He was an older gentleman, late 80s, a bachelor, um, not a believer. And I had known him for years because I would water ski out front and uh, had a relationship with him, I thought. But uh, not a believer, so I was very, I thought, tactful and ginger kind of laid it out to him. Well, his response was anger and made a comment, something to the effect, that will never happen on this piece of property. So if you will, door closed. And in fact, his response was such and so strong that he kicked me off the property that day. So door closed. But deep inside, there was still this, no, God wants to do something here. So I'm a, some would say a stubborn person. Uh, <laughs> I don't give up easy. So I went and moved to Southern California and went to seminary. And while there, I remember sharing it with my professors. This is what I feel God's calling me to do. And their response was, no, God doesn't work that way. Now, they would have different theology today, I'm quite sure. It was a strong evangelical seminary, but that was where they were at then. So if you will, the second door closed. I would come back in my summers and work the ministry there and then go back to California in the winter. Kathy and I met and we were married uh, just before I graduated and uh, the door at Keats closed. Uh, it looked where they'd even made an offer to me to be a year-round executive director and that closed. Uh, they picked somebody else. So third door closed. Ah, what do you do? Well, I'm not one just to stay at home and kind of wait. Um, so as we prayed and really sought God, a church in Victoria called us to be an associate or youth pastor first uh, there. It was a short-term thing, three months that 
well, we could discern what God had in store. But that turned into four years, and it was a great experience. Learned a lot, and met a lot of wonderful people, and it was good. And then the door at Keats completely closed, and uh, so we had to kind of then move on. Young Life made an overture to us, and they said, we need a camp for Canada. Would you come on board and do that and also do some leadership training and so on with our staff and with our volunteer? Okay, maybe I didn't hear God quite right. I'm called to be in ministry, called to do this, but maybe it's kids, it's not families, and not on Keats, maybe. Um, so we moved and came into Vancouver, and that's why I got to be here at times. So the years went on. The old man passed away, left the property to a young nephew, Richard from Nova Scotia, who had showed interest in the property, and his great uncle gave him all this land on Keats Island. Moved, lived here, and but then all of a sudden, he started to get homesick. Right at the time when we were sensing God was moving, again, prayer came into this. We felt like God was saying our time with young life was over, but God didn't say what was next. So we gathered eight people to pray with us and to kind of discern kind of what we should be doing next. And that culminated with a whole weekend together praying. And their feeling was that the vision of years ago made sense. And they encouraged us to take some steps and see if God wouldn't open the doors. And if he doesn't, then put it away permanently and move on but we don't think that's going to happen. And sure enough, over the next 90 days, God started to fling doors open. The first thing, Richard became homesick, wanted to go back to Nova Scotia, was willing to entertain selling some land. Uh, foundation in Vancouver said, we think you're onto something here. We'll fund it, uh, the property and the buildings. That's pretty strong. Uh, then a relationship opened up between me and the then founder of an organization you might have heard of called Focus on the Family, to the point where they were willing to help us get launched. Uh, not financially, but publicity and counsel and help in other ways. And then an interesting one happened. We knew that zoning was a big issue on these small islands. There's lots of regulations and that would stop anything happening. So I went and met the elected representative. And she said, well, let me look into it. And she came back and said, well, you're not going to believe this. But in 1973, so the year that the owner slammed the door in my face, a clerical error happened. This property was to have been put into the agricultural land reserve so it would be frozen, that development could never happen on it. Got forgotten. So I think you're onto something here. We can make this happen. And sure enough, that's what she did. And we got the zoning that we needed to have. So we launched Barnabas in December of 1986. And what a journey it's been. First two years were wonderful. We just saw God's hand at work. Lives changed. We didn't have uh, buildings, so we rented hotels up at Whistler and in Kananaskas and down in Washington State and marriages, lots of good things happened. And then we decided to experiment with camping. Uh, so we did a week at Barnabas 
with just tents, nothing else. And we kind of band-aided things together to do this. And everyone arrived. It was a glorious day. So exciting. And there were 50, I think 55 people all together. And then the rain came. And <laughs> it rained, and it rained, and it rained. These dear people were almost washed down the hillside. It was raining so hard. But God was at work. The last day, the sun came out, and there was two, a couple that were sitting in the field as I was ready to leave to go home. And uh, they motioned me over and wanted to tell me that on the way up, they had decided to divorce. Uh, and they would tell their kids at the end of the week, but they wanted this week with the kids. But that week, the fellow, the dad said, I came to know Jesus, and we're not doing that. And that family is still together today. I held on to that when things got hard. Lives were changed. You know, God is at work here, and don't always understand. Two years into the ministry, sorry, two years into the, the ministry, um, an event took place where I was called upon to take a stand for Jesus. And it was very difficult to do, but I felt it was necessary and called to do it. It necess or no, didn't necessitate, it resulted in the breakdown between myself and the head of this foundation that was going to fund the, the rest of the property and all the buildings to they pulled support. So all of a sudden, Kathy and I are left way out on the limb. But we believed God had called us to do this. And it started a journey for me about what does it really mean to trust God for everything. I grew up in a family that had wealth, and so to be in a place now where don't know where dinner's coming from to feed my family. It was that tight. But God was never late. He provided in miraculous, surprising ways. And that just changed me radically, but it also changed the direction of the ministry. And uh, from then on, prayer became something really deep and meaningful and just resonated within us. So we kept working and waiting on God. Uh, we didn't have funds to do buildings, but we managed to do some more camping and some other rental things. Uh, but step by step, people started to catch the vision and come on board with us. And uh, I could take you around the property today and show you what God did that should not have happened. But through prayer, miraculously, it did couple of stories that maybe just helped to finish this off. One was we were always short of water, good drinking water. Big need on the property, huge need. And we had a, and still have, a wonderful property director. And he felt like God spoke to him one Sunday afternoon and said, come for a walk with me and I'll show you where there's um, water. Well, it was raining. He didn't want to go out. He was tired. This was his afternoon off. Um, but God kept pushing him. And so finally he agreed and headed off and started walking through the bush. Didn't know where he was going. And for a couple of hours, he walked with God. And all of a sudden, he came into this clearing. Un 
there's nothing noticeable about it. I mean, part of my training was in biology and geology, and so where water would be. This wouldn't be the place that I would have picked for water. But God said to him, see the rock that's in front of you? Turn it over, and you'll see a little sprig of water coming out. And sure enough, uh, he did, saw that, and God said, that's where there's water. Drill there. So he covered it over and uh, uh, made a little flag in the tree so he could find it again because he knew he wouldn't know where it was. <laughs> and the next day he tells me what had happened. And he said, I want you to head out and let God show you to confirm it. I go, no, no. If God's shown you, Phil, that's where it is. And I accept that. Well, we kind of forgot about it. Things got busy. Then in the summer, early in the summer, Phil came to me one day and said, Rob, we've got a problem. Last night there was a water line break, and all the water we'd stored up in the spring, 36,000 gallons, is gone. And not only that, but the well has almost stopped producing. It's just not, not existent. So we're in a crisis mode. So we stopped and we prayed. God lead us and uh, we came up with a short-term plan uh, to borrow or borrow buy some water from the other camp on the island and uh, that night our Kathy and I went away and we prayed and felt like I was to share with the whole camp what had happened uh, I don't normally do that kind of thing but I felt that that's what God had called us to do so we gathered before dinner, everyone, and I said, this is where it's at. We've got enough water to get through your week so you can have a great week. But after that, we're out. So would you pray with us? And had this uh, crazy idea. We had this old watering can, and we hung it up on the back. Said, if you've got a word from God or a pledge you want to make, put a piece of paper and write that down, put it in there. So I knew that the cost to put a well in was about $30,000. We didn't have the money to do that. Didn't know if even the well drillers were available. Um, but bottom line was, the next day I took that watering can down, looked at, there was a whole bunch of paper in there. And the rowing club kids, everyone had contributed. And uh, there was $30,000 in the bucket. Uh, so that night, there was, the kids were being put to bed, and one of the leaders said um, um, to this little girl, what should we pray about tonight? The little girl said, I want to pray that God would give the money and the water to meet the need there. And that was met by that little girl's prayer. Um, and that girl later on grew up and came on staff, and uh, I was sharing the story, and the parents of the little girl never knew about it. And they were in the, the group that I was sharing it this one day. And talk about faith increased. So the well drillers, I phoned them. They happened to have a cancellation. They said, well, we can be there in 48 hours. And uh, Phil worked all weekend to get a road in so that we could get the well drilling equipment in. And uh, they arrived. And, but just before they came, we took the whole staff up before camp came in, had a prayer time around this <laughs> nondescript area, 
and all of us felt like God's presence was there. And it was a spine-tingling moment. The well drillers arrived. Phil took them up and said, this is where I want you to drill, right here, and left and so they could begin to get set up and came back about an hour and a half later to see how they were doing. And they'd moved about six feet from where he told because it was easier to do. Uh, and he said, no, I told you there. You've got to move. And they were like, it doesn't matter. We're in the middle of the bush here. There's nothing. I told you there. Well, you're paying the bill. Okay. So they moved. They started drilling. Our other wells are 350, 650 feet deep. At 70 feet, they hit beautiful, pristine water, enough that would meet our needs. God did it. Yeah. By his people praying, I believe. Yeah. Mountains can be moved. And that's what Barnabas has done again and again and again. This new building that you could see was under construction in the video. We just dedicated it uh, two months ago. Uh, it took us eight years to build, but it was a journey of faith. We Normally, you'd raise the money first before you build a building. That's what's good stewardship to do. But we felt like God said, no, I want you to trust me and I'll provide. We only had 100000 in the bank, and the board agreed miraculously, and there was, there's stories in there. Um, we have two former board members over here that were part of that prayer that day. And we started out on the journey, and it, God again and again met. Right at the end, right at the time when we needed it the most, he did it. Prayer, prayer, prayer prayer. Um, that's all I can say. And I, my exhortation to you as a congregation be either corporately or also individually to be praying and asking God for vision. Uh, what would he have for you? You know, so often in our culture today, if it doesn't happen right away, uh, can't be right, can't be the thing to do. And I would just say, no, not at all, not at all. It's, uh, God's timing is not ours. I had to wait 14 years before, from the vision to when we started Barnabas, and then many years before we built this last building. But it, God's timing. So hang in there, keep praying, keep praying, keep praying, and seeking Him. So thank you. Derwin, do you want to ask a question? Yeah. <laughs> That was okay, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it was all right. It was all right. Yeah. Yes, he did. And actually, I am uh, had an ongoing relationship with him, and I'm going back in two weeks' time to talk to him again and see him and give him a thank you for what he's done. So. Isn't that fantastic? Yeah, so good. How, how many of you have been there to Barnabas before? Oh, wow. A lot of us have been been there. We've had we've gone away for marriage weekends. Angel and I have facilitated marriage weekends, and many of you have gone to summer camps and so on. It's been phenomenal. Um, I I love the way this story all start, started with you praying that big, hairy, audacious prayer. I think that's what you were talking about, yeah. referring to. Yeah. God, give me a vision for my whole life. Uh, and you said that 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 started. It was like God. It began with stirring something, 
and then literally you had a f something formulate. Is that right? Like you yeah, I mean, I didn't know even a lot about prayer, you know, but felt prompted, this is beyond me. And so this, if this stirring is right, then it's a big move to go from where I was going to be with the family company to ministry. Uh, and uh, you could have been rich in another way, couldn't you? Have yes. gone that route. Yeah. And instead, you're rich in so many longer-lasting ways. Yeah. That, that is so fantastic. Um, it, it seems to me uh, significant that one of the first things you did was you, you shared that vision with a couple friends, maybe also wanting to test it out and make sure I'm not crazy and I'm not going out on a limb and I'm actually truly hearing what God's saying. And they, you went and prayed with them and kind of committed it to God. That upper, I've been to that upper field. I think I know exactly where you prayed and you sat and looked at this property and you kind of claimed it. Uh, and then later on, years later, when it seemed like God was maybe opening the doors, you gathered, you said, eight people. So tell me, how significant has praying, not just by yourself and discerning, but how, how important have other people been in your journey of prayer? Oh, significant. Um, it, it, it's a protection and it's an affirmation. And... Uh, um, those relationships have carried on today. Uh, and there's a bond that's there that they were part of it. Yeah. And they heard God's voice too. Wow. I, I think um, it, it excites me to hear about you. And I think, I think we all probably have different experiences of, of this, but of being able to hear God and discern what he has spoken to you. That's been a, and, and that has, has that been a consistent journey? Have you grown in that? Has that been like a, how, is that like a muscle that you can exercise and grow in or? Absolutely, it's a muscle, yes, yeah. And uh, um, it's so much, if you will, unknown. And uh, I believe in the passage in scripture that talks about the counsel of others and, and to go against that is not good, you know, but like my professors at Fuller, I respected them. So that's a no at this time, at least. Uh, so, okay, move on, but it's a wrestling. Um, right, right. I, uh, I think I remember many times when finances have been short, you guys are a nonprofit and raising funds, and you have... Uh, not always just put a general call out to everybody, but you've actually told me how you pray and listen, and then sometimes you make a phone call. Is, yeah, yes. how, tell, tell me about an experience like that where you know there's a need and a very specific need. Um, Too many to count, right? Yeah, well, there's that. Yeah, I, I would say it's the prompting. A name comes to mind, and really? And um, so, but I not always been obedient to doing that but sometimes i have and then something comes up with rob i just sold my business today and i'm feeling like god wants me to do something with some of the proceeds i, went, I had no idea um, but um tell me the story about the beams uh if if you were to go to barnabas now they're they've built this gorgeous pavilion outdoor pavilion where they share have meals out there and it was the result of a mistake. Can you tell us quickly that, just briefly, that story will we'll maybe... Yeah. A friend of mine had a glue lamb bean business in Vancouver. 
and they had manufactured these beams actually for a church out in Abbotsford, had them delivered. They were 86 feet long. Uh, they're big beams. Like at my height, like they're like five, and six five, feet, five yes. feet tall? Yes, yeah. Big and beams. Two feet wide, you know, huge, beautiful beams. They got delivered, and another friend of the ministry was the crane operator. He lifted these beams up, and there was fellows on one side and fellows on the other, and they said, move it this way. Move. No, 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 move it this way. The beams were six inches short. The engineer at the glue lamb beam business read the drawings wrong. The drawings were correct. Uh, so this fellow phoned me up like, do you want some beams? Come and get them. <laughs> and, and even the story of you getting the beams was another, like, was significant as well. Like somebody, somebody, because transporting 86-foot beams to an island, you had, I think you were having a conversation, you were telling me about somebody, they overheard and said, you, do you know what I do, right? Do you well, remember that? That was the, uh, the pier. That was, that was the pier. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But on the beams, uh, contact a contractor on the island, I went to him and said, okay, we've got these. What could we, how could we get them here? And so he did some thinking and inquiries, found the largest logging truck on the west coast of British Columbia and put them on there and <clears throat> drove them through Vancouver at night. <laughs> uh, no bylaws were broken. Yeah. And, and then on to BC Ferries. <laughs> took the whole lower car deck. <laughs> so, that is amazing. No that is amazing. Um, by the way, if you go to Barnabas, you have to go do the uh, little tour. You know, the, uh, back in 86, there was the Expo 86. Uh, the pier that Barnabas has at their front dock was the Expo 86 pier. There was, yeah, it was two ramps that were uh, in False Creek. Yeah, for and and uh, and then if you go, you'll see at least I think it's maybe the only remnant. But you actually, the show. What was the show? Beachcombers. Yes. Which was filmed in your area there, out in front. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you have Relic's Cabin for those of you who are old beach Beachcombers fan. Relic's Cabin is still on the property in the. What the the food the kitchen was for many many years was wasn't it a film film uh, the sidecar was, sidecar yeah was where the the actors would have a change room and then on top was cameras that would on a float that they would take to different locations so you cobbled together quite a oh, I mean yeah. you and God yeah you and God yeah. uh, we've uh, so I've so been inspired by his faith and uh, the way he's uh, Rob and Kathy have cultivated a, an attention to God's spirit and noticing what, what God says and then even when they're not sure, going out on a limb and seeing God provide. And God has provided. It's a, it's a living testimony. Um, I heard somebody describe it as uh, maybe one of the most beautiful Christian conference centers in North America. And it truly is a testimony to God's provision and uh, I wonder about what God is stirring in you this morning. Uh, as a congregation, I wonder what faith God might be inviting you to step out in. Or maybe it's uh, learning to listen. Next week, we're going to talk about listening to God. And I'm really excited about that. I'm going to share next week. Um, but I, I think this is a muscle that God wants to grow in you and me, that we might actually believe that God can um, speak to us in a way that we can understand and that we can get it. Uh, we believe God does speak today.
Um, I've asked Rob, we're going to sing, Bill, bring up your team, but Rob, would you pray for our congregation, a blessing over us? I'm going to invite everybody to stand, and he's going to pray a blessing over us in terms of our walk with God. Gracious, wonderful Heavenly Father, I commit these dear people to you and pray that they would have the courage and the fortitude to listen to you and to go forward with what you would want to do in their lives. Thank you for what you've done for decades here in this building. And uh, pray that that's just the start, um, that you have so much more for us. No matter what our age, whether it be a young person for their whole life that you would have a vision, or for those of us that are older, that you still have visions and so on for us to carry for your kingdom. So I pray your blessing on this crowd that they would have, they would hear your voice more than ever before and uh, trust you to do amazing things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Thank you, Rob. Let's give him a hand, shall we?